Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to my sermon podcast and happy Easter. Christ is risen, we proclaim at the church, and we believe that this opens up all kinds of new opportunities and new life for each and every one of us. And I hope that those opportunities are beginning to show themselves uh, for you too, even in this cold spring that we're experiencing here in Chicago. I'll be reading from the classic text that we often reflect on on this Easter Sunday, John 20, verses 1 through 18. So hear these words. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. May God's blessing be on the reading and living out of this word. So you may have noticed that this year Easter falls on April Fool's Day, April 1st. And when I first noticed that several months ago, I thought to myself, I bet a lot of uh, pastors will be talking about what a great April Fool's joke Jesus has played on everybody, uh, or talking about uh, humor. I read some articles on humor, which is all very good and appropriate. So in honor of the occasion, and I am not one to be left behind, uh, I am going to open up with a little, uh, probably not that funny joke that I saw many years ago, uh, but it does tie in to hopefully what we'll be reflecting on today. So Tip O'Neill was a Massachusetts congressman, served for many, many years uh, in the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, and he likes to tell the story about a man named Honest Jake Bloom. Honest Jake was well-known in the Boston area because he gave help to three generations of immigrant families. He owned a little variety store, and he would extend credit to the poor immigrants helping them get started in their new land. As Honest Jake neared his 60th birthday, a group of people whom he had helped decided not only to give him a party, but also a large gift of money. Jake received the money gratefully, pondered what to do with it, and then decided he was going to use it on his own revitalization. 
He had his teeth capped, dyed what hair he had, and bought a hairpiece. He went to the health spot, trimmed down, traded in his old horn-rimmed glasses for contact lenses. He bought a stunning new wardrobe. And then he boarded a plane, and a few hours later, Honest Jake hit the beach at Miami. He met a beautiful young woman and asked her for a date, and she accepted. But before they could go out on the date, a thunderstorm came up. Honest Jake was struck by a lightning bolt and died instantly. In heaven, he said to God, after all those years of hard work, I was just trying to enjoy myself a little. Why me, God? Why me? And God said to him, oh, is that you, Jake? I'm sorry. I didn't recognize you. Rimshot. <laughs> this is a story about mistaken identity and perhaps the things that we do to reinvent ourselves. And we read today some stories, some instances of mistaken identity in this passage and also in the Easter story. This whole sense of identity is important in the Gospels, these first four books of the New Testament. It starts off very early on in the Gospel of John. John starts off the first 18 verses of John chapter 1, or is this poem really about who Jesus is. And then the very first words uttered by anyone comes from somebody asking about who John the Baptist is. So John 1.19 says, This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? So the very first words uttered in the Gospel of John, Who are you? Identity. Jesus, in the other three Gospels, in Mark, Matthew, and Luke, there's a story that happens in all three of them where Some things are happening, and Jesus turns to his disciples and asks them, who do the people say that I am? Identity. Who am I? It's not just Jesus. The disciples wrestle with this, too. You may know the story later on in John. You may have been to a Good Friday service, and you may know the story as the disciples are scattered after Jesus is arrested, and a woman comes up to Peter and says, you are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? So a question about who Peter's and what Peter's identity is. And Peter struggles with this and he says, I am not. So this comes up pretty often. Who am I? Who am I? Lost identity. We talk about that a lot in our society today. Stolen identity. The identities that we have about ourselves and we put out there into the world, whether it is with other people or on social media. And when we think about identity too, we also certainly reflect on Jesus. Who is Jesus? Or at least initially in this story, many of his followers are probably asking themselves, who was Jesus? We thought he was the one. We thought he was our Messiah. We thought he was the one who's going to be leading us out of this oppression that we are feeling. And they are no doubt disappointed, angry, sorrowful. All of the dreams that they had for Jesus have gone for naught. But of course, their minds are about to be blown. And that brings us to today's text. Mary, understandably, when she looks and sees what has happened, she believes that most likely Jesus' body was stolen, which is not unusual in those days. 
his followers, when they come too, are a little confused. There's some language in here about looking inside the tomb and one disciple believes, but we don't know exactly what he believes and Peter doesn't really know what to make. And so they're asking themselves, I thought I knew who Jesus was. Who is, was Jesus? There's some hesitation about what is going on here. Mary then weeps. And then she sees Jesus, and Jesus begins to speak to her and asks her, Whom are you looking for? But she doesn't know it's Jesus. She believes that it's a gardener of all things. Have <laughs> you ever been mistaken for somebody else? That whole notion of what does it mean to be mistaken, to think that you are seeing something or somebody that you are for sure you know who it is and you can't quite figure it out. Maybe you have been mistaken for somebody else too. I sometimes wonder, what was Jesus probably thinking? We don't know if Jesus thought, doesn't say in the text that Mary doesn't say, oh, you're just the gardener. My wife often gets uh, stopped by people when we're in a networking situation and they think, I think I know you. You look so familiar. Sometimes, too, when we have conversations about being mistaken for somebody else, particularly uh, somebody famous, sometimes people like to play the game, like, who do you, what famous person do you do you look like? And uh, I've, I've noticed that often people will maybe choose someone who perhaps is, uh, that looks maybe a little bit better than, than they do. Uh, they'll choose some kind of movie star, uh, and they'll say, yeah, I, people tell me that I look a lot like this person. And so for me, uh, over, the, over the years, people have told me one of the, there are two or three people that people will say, uh, and sometimes people will say that I look a lot like Sting, which at first I, or I take that as a compliment. I mean, Sting's a pretty cool guy. Uh, and so people will say that to me, and I'm like, well, yes, you're not the first to make that mistake about who I really am. But there's another person that people have sometimes said that I look like. It's probably somebody that you have not heard of. Uh, it's an actor, and his name is Brian Stepanek. And you, again, probably don't know who that is. I'll put a link or a picture on the Podbean page. Uh, for those of you who have children, you may remember the TV show, the Disney show, uh, The Adventures of, or The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, uh, a show that was in heavy heavy rotation in our home for uh, a time, and it got to the point I was pretty tired of that show. But one of the characters on that show was a guy named Arwen. Arwen was really kind of this very nerdy janitor uh, and uh, was kind of a loser on the show, Uh, had these uh, really funny, nerdy glasses, uh, was the butt of everybody's jokes, Uh, had kind of a a heart of gold, but um, not necessarily somebody that you want to be uh, compared to. Over the years, I've been a little bit uh, compared to him too. In fact, I was at a grocery store the other day uh, and this, as I was checking out and it was the end of the day and I probably wasn't looking to engage in conversation and the woman uh, was at the cash register and she said, she looked at me and she said, have you ever seen the TV show Zach and Cody? And I knew exactly what she was doing. I knew exactly where she was going and what she was going to say. And I said to her, and I said, "Mm, never seen it. Because that's kind of mistaken identity, or that's the kind of uh, person that I didn't necessarily want to be compared to. And we see in Jesus' life all kinds of people who 
believe that they know who Jesus was. They believe he was a prophet or a teacher. And as I noted, some people believe that he was the Messiah, that new things were going to become because of Jesus. And all of those hopes seemingly were dashed. Mary looks at Jesus and she is not expecting resurrection. She doesn't know to look for resurrection. In fact, she looks in the eyes of this man that she doesn't recognize and she believes Gardner. She doesn't quite get it. She doesn't know who she's looking at. But one word changes everything. Jesus says her name. He is simply saying her name, Mary. And that's when her eyes are opened. And we don't blame Mary necessarily for this. There are other times in the Gospels where we see the resurrected Jesus And the people don't quite get it. They don't understand because they don't know what they're looking for. They are not expecting it. You know, this news of Easter sometimes, for people who have been a person of faith for a few years, it can almost become old hat. Like we come on Easter morning and we say, Christ is risen. And we say, yes, Christ is risen. And we sing the songs, Christ the Lord is risen today and Easter, and it's a celebratory time, and you may spend time with uh, friends or family today, and you celebrate the fact that Easter is here, and great sermons are preached today, and then I sometimes wonder, then what happens the day after Easter? And for us, what will happen on Easter 2nd? Will we go back to the lives that we led before? Will we look for resurrection? Will we be changed or moved or our hearts be formed because we have experienced this new way of living? Will we recognize recognition or will we recognize resurrection when it is in front of us? Or will we simply have a case of mistaken identity? We will look at something and not quite get it. And we will forget that resurrection has happened and we don't let it form or change our lives at all. You may have, here in the Chicago area, there's a story that popped up uh, in the last week or so that I was so moved by, and it has stuck with me as I have read lots of articles about this uh, individual. The article or the story was about this man named Nevis Coleman. Nevis Coleman grew up in Chicago, uh, and in 1994, um, there was a woman in his neighborhood who was uh, raped and murdered. An awful story. Now, Nevist was a father. That was one part of his identity. He was a brother. He was a groundskeeper. He worked for the Chicago White Sox, and he helped take care of the infield and outfield. It was a job that he loved. So these were parts of his own identity. One thing that he was not was a criminal. He was not a felon. He'd never been arrested for anything at all. When this incident happened in his neighbor, this woman was raped and murdered. Nevis' sister lived in the building where this happened to this woman. And he was one of the people who discovered her. He was then brought in for questioning. And that's when his identity changed. People didn't see him as father or brother or groundskeeper. They saw him as something else. He has since brought civil suit against the Chicago Police Department 
as he says that while he was there, he was called racial slurs, accused of lying. He was literally a punching bag, coerced into giving false testimony. And then he was arrested. No longer were people seeing him as brother or father or groundskeeper. They were seeing him as labeling him as inmate murderer. For 24 years, he served in jail as an innocent man until DNA evidence last year was found linking someone else to the crime. And then last December, after 24 years, he was freed. I cannot imagine what that must have been like as he now was free man. This is another part of his identity, but how hard it is to shake something that others have seen in you, have instilled in you. I've only visited Cook County Jail a couple of times as a visitor, as one who went wearing my collar as a pastor, and I would walk out of there and just feel so changed. And I just simply cannot fathom what it must be like to be in there and have that change you. And so Nevist was trying to create this new identity, go back to being father, go back to being brother. He was now a grandfather. And he was in the news this past week because he was able to add and reclaim part of his own identity. The White Sox hired him back 24 years, 24 years after serving this prison sentence, he was now back. And one of the pieces of this story that I loved was the man who was the head groundskeeper for the White Sox, a man named Roger Bossard. And he's interestingly pretty well known among groundskeepers in the major leagues and call they call him the, the sod father because he's so well respected. And he said two very short things that has struck me. And Rogers said this to Nevist. He said, I saved your spot for you. And then he said, I knew you'd be back. I have no idea if Rogers said these things just off the cuff or what. But I love these two things because to me, they speak to what can happen when you expect and look for resurrection. What would it look like if we said to ourselves each day, I'm saving a spot for you today, the risen Christ, because I knew you'd be back, that we believe that Jesus would be back and that it would change our lives. Just it now is beginning to change Nevis too. Nevis had this quote who said, he said, when people asked him if he harbors any, any anger, understandably, and I'm sure he does, but this is what he said. He said, if I'm miserable, then everybody else around me will be miserable. If I'm angry, everybody else will be angry. Why be angry? It's time to live my life now. I have my son, daughter, three grandbabies, sisters and brothers. I don't need them to be miserable and angry because I am. I live day by day and do the best I can. There isn't any sense being angry anymore. He says, it's time to live my life now. What would it mean for us on April 2nd to wake up and to say, Jesus, I have saved a spot for you in my life because of Easter. And I know it's possible. I knew you'd be back. Will you be anticipating and seeing the day, expecting and looking for resurrection? Will we recognize it when we see it. 
When we see somebody else in our lives and we look at them, when we look at them in the eyes and do we say to ourselves, I see resurrection in you. When we look at a neighborhood, do we say, I see resurrection here. When we look at a school, I see resurrection here. When we look at an issue that we're working toward, do we say to ourselves, well, nothing's going to happen here. Instead, with resurrection eyes, do we say, new life can take place. It's time to live this new life now. This has happened when we look at our reflection in the mirror. Do we look in the mirror and say to ourselves, I see resurrection I see new life that is possible because of what Jesus has done. Or do we go back to saying, well, nothing new has happened here. We need to look for, recognize resurrection when it is in front of us. And I believe it is in front of us every single day. At the end of this passage, Mary says, I have seen the Lord. And there is no mistaking that. There's no mistaking this identity. Mary knows exactly what she has seen and who, he sh- who she has seen, and Mary knows exactly what to do. She has experienced the risen Christ, and rather than going back to her old life, she goes and now proclaims something remarkable. I have seen the Lord. That's what we celebrate today. That's what we celebrate today. And that's what we must live and proclaim and recognize tomorrow. Amen. Well, friends, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, I appreciate the support that you give it. You can always reach out to me. Um, You can email me, chris at urbanvillagechurch.org, or you can find out more about the things that I'm up to on my website, christiancoon.com. Uh, You can also, on my website, hear my other podcast, Failing Boldly, and listen to that, too. Uh, I will be back in two weeks, and so we'll be looking forward to sharing some reflections with you then. Until then, indeed, friends, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. May the peace of Christ be with you.